He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going to be silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 97 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined as always by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry. Hey James. Uh, how are you this week? I'm pretty good, yeah. Can't complain. That's good. A few podding woes on the weekend, I think. But um, yeah, sure. You know, well, easy we can, come, easy go. Uh, well, we'll talk about our own games in a second. If anybody has any uh, feedback or any information that they'd like to give us or anything that would like us to discuss, our Twitter handle is at podcastgts at podcast gts and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com a good talk spoiled at gmail.com we'll repeat that throughout the show and um, barry i suppose you touched on it there uh, we both played this weekend and the short stick kind of let you down a bit in a couple of short game shots but again it's 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 winter golf and it's it's not the end of the world but uh, yeah were you disappointed 24 Five points for twelve holes, I think was it. Twenty-five points for twelve holes, and I had twenty-five putts, so it's just completely unacceptable. Uh, dreadful putting display. Two three putts and a four putt was uh, yeah made me. Where did you have the four putt? Um, I played the round with you, and I don't even remember. On the that. fourth, was it? Did you not have what did you have on the first? Did you have a four on the first? We both no, had I, I, I had a three putt. On that. Oh, stop! So the, our first is a par three. It has a bank in the middle of the green running from the front to the back so the green is kind of split in two at the back a ridge a ridge in the middle it's a big ridge and it's substantially high and then we both hit the wrong side of the ridge for the we were a pin high yeah. though we were a pin high we were, which, we'll, is, we'll we'll which is that. something we've been working on a lot get the clubbing right get the distance right you're not going to be an awful you know not going to be very far away unfortunately we were far enough away we're on the wrong side of the ridge and it's always very very difficult to two putt sometimes it's difficult to three putt from the far side of that ridge because you can end up in the winter you can end up leaving on top of the ridge which I managed to do this week in the summer you can end up getting into the top of the ridge trickling over but it has so much pace and it's so fast you can end up with a 20 footer back to the hole if the hole is near the bottom of the ridge so it's it's a really good hole it's a tough opening hole like it's a tough par and when you don't have a shot in it it's you can easily be you know one shot behind after the first hole without doing an awful lot wrong you can have a four in that hole no problem at all and, and the problem even in the winter for, for listeners is that it it's still fast coming over that hill like you've got to you've got to get it just stopping on the other side of the hill it's got to tiptoe you know, like, and you know we roll were, over we were both on top of that hill because I hit I, I'm changing putter and I had to go back to the old putter because of uh, Scotty Cameron not getting my putter in uh, in time. No no offence, Scotty, but please hurry Scotty up and get it to wa- me. Scotty just wanted a weekend off. you know. Uh, so I was back with the dual balance, hit the ground, first putt out and ended up on top of the hill. But I think I only putted probably two inches in front of where the ball was mm. for the second and I ended up six foot pass probably the other side yeah um, I put backspin on my second foot from the top of the hill <laughs> like it's just one of those days yeah. but then but yeah like I had what 26 points for 12 holes with two scratches on the first and the ninth and um, which was just frustrating uh, chipped in for birdie on on five uh, which was nice mm. and nearly held the chip in on nine for a point hit the flag I'd taken the flag out on five yeah and um, and you were like, you want the flag out? And I was like, yeah, I want the flag out. <laughs> Held the putt. I was like, that's why I took the flag out. <laughs> well, to be fair, on nine, it was traveling. And I don't think it would have... It probably would have just shot straight over the hole that was going at that speed. But anyway, look, the, the chipping, you actually hit some really, really nice chips. And uh, you can see you getting more and more confidence with each week that goes by. Yeah, well, it's, so, it's been good. Uh, it's, was, so, there was some good. There's some good stuff out there. But like you said, it's... It's difficult out there. The ground's soft. You're losing your footing sometimes. You get weird, you know, soggy lies. The ball doesn't do what you it was think a, it will do. It was a very nice day. I, I departed you guys on the 13th. Uh, you guys headed in. I and to work. Uh, I, I kept playing. I played the uh, the full 18, which was great. Um, it's just nice. It was just mm. a crisp, clear day. And it was it was coldish, but nothing, nothing so bad that you couldn't play. 
I'm uh, delighted that I got the full 18 in because the week after this, I'm not playing this weekend because I'm away, and the following weekend on the Sunday is the next round of the Fitzgibbon Cup match play that I played earlier in the mm. year. So hopefully I'll get picked again. So I wanted to play the full 18 at least one more time before we go and play a match play competition. Sure. Um, I did a bit of thinking about my putting, actually. I don't know. That's not a good thing. Ah, well, look, you got to have... I, I, I like to kind of process the stuff through my head. I don't know if this is interesting to the listeners, but I'm going to talk anyway. It's, it's, you know, it's our show, so... It's grand. They can fast forward. They can, indeed. Um, I'd recommend it, listeners. To the end credits. So... I was just thinking about what, what I did on the course and what didn't work for me and what did work. And I found... When I thought it through, I was not getting a consistent grip uh, grip position with my hands. So how can you possibly get a consistent roll or consistent stroke with the putter when you're not getting it exactly the same each time? So uh, I think because I haven't been putting fantastically recently. Uh, sorry, that's that's a, an insult to my putter. Uh, sorry, that's too much credit to my putting. I haven't been putting really poorly recently. I've just been tinkering around a bit, and I still haven't found that one really, really happy kind of feel. So... I guess it's just uh, get the practice in really and, and hopefully find that kind of comfort zone again but I mean if anyone else is kind of suffers with that during the winter just or gets thrown off their game at any stage like what what do you do to get out of it like do you know does anyone have any tricks or things think, that have worked for them I think the you past? just played through it I think it's winter you just yeah. you, you just smile and nod in winter like I hit on the, the the third hole I hit what was dead on the pin and the wind just knocked it offline and you just you just accept it like there was one point where we walked past your golf ball on the third which was up by the tee box on the fourth and if it wasn't for the fact that we walked over it yeah like it was three quarter it was fully buried um, and like we were searching for a while it's winter golf <laughs> you know it is it is what it is and yeah. it's just uh, look it's good to be out it's good to be playing I think it's just a case of enjoying the golf now it should be you enjoy golf all the time anyway but you don't have to go in and go oh man that's a real shame that I didn't get, you know, thirty points. And um, it's it's getting there though. I mean, look before blink blink, and we'll be into the run in towards a dry golf course and full qualifying. You know, yeah, I'd say we're, we're, another two or three weeks, we're going to be getting there. And just you know, to continue our theme of Masters updates, fifty days till the Masters. Fifty days. Well, that's a nice uh, number to remember. So, um, and talking about well, let, let's let's firstly talk. Uh, for the moment about the Masters because Rory McIlroy this week has announced that uh, he's only going to take two weeks off from now to the Masters he's going to take the Valspar off and the Shell Houston Open the week before this actually is the busiest uh, opening schedule for Rory since he started playing as a as a professional which is very interesting to see how much he is really gearing this year, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to wanting to get that uh, fourth major, get that Grand Slam, maybe get the Phil Mickelson duck off his back. You know, <laughs> you look at Phil, who's still chasing yeah. the elusive dream of four. What's that maybe fill, this is to fill the four slots in the trophy cabinet, and then the kind of that last little kind of shackles are off, and he can go forward. But like, I think he's making a really good decision to do this because whatever he's done in the previous previous years in his preparation for the Masters, it hasn't worked. So why not try something different? Or why not try to fill up the schedule and have the game really have it well played in, well bedded in, and hopefully be super sharp by the time it comes Yeah, well you, you want to get the, the bad stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. He's played, what, two rounds in the desert swing. Um, what was it, Abu Dhabi and, and Dubai? Mm-hmm. He hasn't played until this week. So he's been in Florida as I understand it from the reports today, he's been down in Florida doing a lot of work down there and he's looking forward to going to the last of the Californian swing mm. and then get going. But I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be very dangerous proposition over the next few weeks. I mean he was like we like we pointed out, he was pretty much not even on his B game and he was still top ten in contending. Well he was sixth and third, so, so there, it puts you know, it in perspective. And um, there you go, like that's that is that's a big warning signal, you know, when he's not firing on all cylinders and that's where he's finishing and there's loads and you can see loads of room for improvement. Um, well, let's you, look. You'd want to bet that he'd have maybe one tournament win between now and the Masters. Yeah, I, I think he's probably going to just want to build it up. Um, let's see Let's see how he goes. It's great to have him. I think him and Spieth, we'll come on to it later, him and Spieth are there this week um, on the PGA, so we'll, we'll deal with that in the, the preview one, section. One more Rory thing, actually. There's a little uh, report on Golf Channel that himself and Ricky Fowler might be playing an exhibition match under floodlights. Um, 
So uh, that could be pretty cool. It'd be the week before the US Open. Um, see if that materializes. It'd be kind of cool because we, like, we're, so we're, we're both fans of like the, what you know, Shell's wonderful world of golf and those kind of golf exhibition matches. So um, be interesting to see if they kind of add any quirky little things to this and. Especially with the nighttime golf, you know, you've got chances for the, the light up golf balls. Even if there's yeah, the floodlights, you could have one dark hole with the you know the lighting up. It'll be interesting stuff. to see. I'm surprised it's um, Nike and Puma, or you know, that it's not two Nike tour players mm-hmm. that are doing it. But um, you know, they obviously want to, to 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 get Fowler into what is this kind of top three. Yeah. They clearly want to start marketing Fowler as the fourth, which he is, in my opinion, he's most certainly in there as the fourth um, but they're clearly trying to push this agenda that it's kind of a, a Rory Fowler speed yeah. day so so it'll be interesting to see we'll keep an eye on that listeners and if uh, if we see any more about it we'll, we'll let you know um, looking I suppose then Barry you you had a, a, a little a little fluff piece this week uh, about uh, Happy Gilmore oh yeah so Happy Gilmore was released 20 years ago today Twenty today. Today in the US. Now not an obviously. Tapa tapa. A tapa tapa yeah. So and on all the unbelievable amount of quotes. I mean I, I, that and Caddyshack surely like there's no other more influential golf films at all, like but the amount of Happy Gilmore quotes that people still use to this day. Yeah, twenty not years. Not just on the golf well, course, but like just in general. Uh, it's a real cult classic, not just for golf fans, mm. just for people of that kind of slapstick. You know, it's a real classic. In fact, uh, I, I I think it kind of when you said it to me earlier today, I kind of went, hmm, the wife's going to yoga tonight. <laughs> There's a few hours I might get a chance to watch it again. Um, it's just a, just a brilliant, brilliant film. And, and uh, the shooter McGavin uh, is 61. Yeah, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, so uh, uh, nice coincidental stuff all the way along. But uh, yeah, I'm sure one or two of the listeners are going to go straight off to watch Happy Gilmore after after listening to the well, show. Now. At Podcast GTS, let us know what you think. Um, I would defy any golfer to be able to tell us they haven't seen that film. If if you have at Podcast GTS, I'd love to find the one golfer in the world that has never seen either Caddyshack or that'd be an interesting. I never wouldn't it? Oh, I've never really? Seen would. Happy Gilmore. Like, yeah. um, Talking about I Nevers, um, Greg Norman says that he was fired from Fox because the network was concerned that he would uh, say things that were a bit too on PC or a bit dangerous. He was talking to the Golf Digest uh, magazine this week and he said, and I quote, I thought I was handcuffed to tell you the truth. There was a lot of stuff I wanted to say, but the final comment they told me was that I was too unpredictable. I thought I thought that's what they wanted to, uh, wanted you to do in that role. In an exclusive uh, interview with Golf.com after he was fired in January, Norman said he was shocked by the decision, but had nothing but good things to say about the crew. So it just spells our myth that he wasn't doing what he was meant to do, as uh, they claimed earlier in the season that oh, yeah, he the, wasn't the research. Uh, doing the research. But, but that's Greg's uh, version. If these guys are supposed to be monitoring, the execs are supposed to be monitoring what he does, and he does a couple of bad shows where he says a couple of un-PC things or things that they don't want on their network, you don't think they kind of pull him aside and say, listen, Greg, can you just kind of tidy things up a bit here and there? It's you know, There's probably a lot more under it than that. I have to say, I, I've never known Greg Norman to be that guy who says something completely off the wall. Like, if it was John Daly commentating, mm. I'd kind of go, well, you know what you're going to get there. You know, he's not going to necessarily hold his tongue. But I don't think Greg Norman's the kind of guy who has come across to me anyway in the past as no. somebody who's going to to go ballistic and yeah. say something. He, he uh, could be a straight shooter people. with his opinion, but yeah, look, hey, they took their decision. He's not there anymore, so uh, he's not going to lose much sleep over. Really, no, he's certainly think. not going to lose any money. And um, let's let's turn our attention to a very uh, quickly to the new pace of play policy on the quickly, European yeah. tour. Yeah, quickly. well, I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm you see the way this all ties uh, in? Yeah. Um, Not too many puns. You're, you've got three left for the rest of the show. Uh, not all. Yeah. Uh, the European tour, as some of the listeners over the last while have known, we were talking about this in a little bit of detail towards the beginning of the year. The new chief executive, uh, Paley, has, has come out and he's really tried to get a hold of the pace of play and the length of time it's taking for rounds. And they came in with this new idea of basically doing monitoring and putting people on a monitoring penalty. And if you get X amount of penalties during the course of uh, the season, you're getting fined after your second one. 
just um, in terms of they 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 num- they had monitored ninety five groups in the Middle East, thirty six in Abu Dhabi, twenty in Qatar, and thirty nine in Dubai, with five players being given monitoring penalties, who were Jordan Speed, Daniel Brooks, Benjamin Hibbert, uh, Eddie Pepperell, and Gavin Green. If any of those are found to be uh, being put on another monitoring penalty during the 2016 season, they're going to have fines and they'll increase. But I suppose the interesting thing is, and you know, I, I know Barry, you'll jump in here and say fines mean nothing, but it's less about the fines and actually about it perhaps actually getting the right effect. And it seems that it certainly has for the moment. The noticeable improvement is that the last group times for rounds one and two were 19 minutes and 14 minutes quicker, uh, respectively, uh, since the compare uh, compared over the last four years. So it does seem to be working. It does seem to be getting quicker, especially the last groups. And we've had this, I suppose, on the, the, the PGA Tour, where it seems if it goes to a playoff, they're ending up playing in darkness because the last group have taken so long to get in. It may not be perfect, it may not be ideal, mm. but it certainly seems to be working. And we're going to keep a very close eye because we've talked about pace of play a lot over the course of the last while, particularly at amateur level. But amateurs watch the pros. And when mm-hmm. the pros take their time, we take our time. And we think, oh, well, it's fine because the pros are doing it. So we took three minutes over a three-footer there last week. No problem if I'm a bit jittery over mine for 37 points or whatever. Yeah, You're dead right. The amateurs do mimic the pros. I think, look, the thing is, obviously we'd love to see a quick solution and them jump to a fine, oh, sorry, a shots penalties applied for slow play, but it's not something they're going to, it's a, that's a, in essence, it's a big step, it's a big change, you know, so this is kind of the, the stepping stone to getting to that, you'd imagine. This guy, Keith Pelly, seems to be doing a lot of good things at the European Tour, he's brought in the shorts, uh, the pros allowed to wear shorts in the practice days and the, the pro-am days this thing brought in now the pace of play monitoring so he's he's taking good steps towards big progressive uh, leaps down the road so it's good to see um, and hopefully he's allowed to continue to, to make these great changes um, yeah no I think it's good it, for it's, the game. it's good for the game and it's, it's, it's good for the amateur game as well Let, let's move on and um, talk about uh, some Twitter feedback uh, the lads who got in contact with us last week who are off Barry was a little bit premature on this. Uh, the ISPS Honda Women's uh, Tournament down in Australia is actually this week, not last week. But they're off playing in the Pro-Am and uh, you, you've you been following them a bit on Twitter and they've been keeping up to date. That's it, yeah. Derek King uh, at D Kings are dead. We asked him just to send in any updates. Um, so they have, uh, their pro is KK Tamoulis. And um, the lads are getting some serious prep work done. They sent us a tweet today, which I retweeted out earlier, and um, the, it's a picture of them all doing shots. And they tweeted her saying, "We're ready for tomorrow. Hope you are." So uh, surf, I, sleep, and repeat. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's. I think there's a lot of drinking going on Look, in that photo. The lads, the lads are obviously serious sports people here. You know, they're getting their hydration sorted so they can perform at really good high levels. Yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's about seven or eight empty. Uh, Class. Which we're, we're sure we're, we're filled with water. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, lads, uh, to Derek and, and the team, uh, uh, the very best of luck. Keep us informed and maybe send us a few more photos of being out on the course and uh, playing. And uh, get uh, get your pro to give us a uh, shout-out as well. If you guys are anything like James, keep drinking, get really smashed because he plays some of his best golf when he is still kind of under the influence. You know why, though? I, I, because I, I don't have to listen to your negativity all the way around the golf course because I'm just hanging so I just ignore you um, okay. I want to have a look at the Chubb Classic we don't have, always have a look at the senior uh, tour here but this week we are actually going to have a look at it and there's a particular reason in relation to it so the Chubb Classic was on this week Bernhard Langer won his 26th senior tour win wire to wire uh, Look, he's now third all-time um, winner on the senior tour. Bernard Langer, yet again, blows everybody away on that tour. That's not the story that we want to talk about. What we do want to have a look at is the very questionable borderline legality and interpretation of the rules around anchoring. Bernard Langer was one of the probably one of the famous proponents of the anchoring 
over the last number of years with your Adam Scotts and a couple of others, use it to great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was first on tour on the senior tour last year for, for putting, currently 15th this year. But what's interesting is that he looks, by all intents and purposes, throughout the course of the putting motion, that he is in fact anchoring. Um, he's had a lot of question marks this week about it. He's sought clarification from the PGA and from the rules officials. And he's tweeted and, and, and texted uh, into one of the programs to say that uh, he does anchor both the, the hand and the arm prior to uh, the, stroke. the stroke at address and then moves it away. Mm. It, it's very, very close. We've looked at this repeatedly over the last while before coming on air. It is a really, really close anchoring or not anchoring moment. Yeah. Well, you'd, you'd notice him moving the hand away from the body. You do, but it's just it's really tight and there will be questions people will there are other pros on the tour they will ask questions about it they will ask it to be looked at again and again and again because it's just so tight because when he's leaning over his shirt's kind of flowing away from his body and it it, it can obscure the view that you might have or the perception of whether to be asking him to wear skin tight shirts soon but it doesn't seem to be when we watch it and we were looking and reviewing this because we didn't want to deal with this you know half hours we wanted to really get a good look at this and Mm. look at the ruling on it it's not just that the club has to be not anchored it's that you can't use your arms either to anchor yeah your hand or your forearm or your elbow the question isn't so much that he does clearly move the, 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 I think it's the left hand away mm. from the body you know subtly and it's a very small amount but it does look away from the body it's the left forearm mm. that seems to be still kind of tucked into the rib cage now he says that he moves it away you can see noticeably the, the left arm coming out you don't necessarily see the left arm coming up as as much as you see the right arm, uh, the left arm coming out, or the left hand coming out. Yeah, it's kind of like the because the left hand is further away from the elbow than the forearm. It it has to move. You know, it moves a bit further than the arm does. And whether the arm actually completely removes itself from the body is that's that's the question. Because the hand you can see is away, but it's whether the arm is there. Now, one of the USGA officials on the, there's a video on Golf Channel. The lads are having a roundtable discussion about it. And one of the USG they talked to one of the USGA officials, and he said. The rule is about the intention of the player. And as Langer says, I don't feel my hand or my arm connected to my body when he takes the stroke. And the, the USGA guy said, if there's an incidental brushing of the body and the arm in the middle of the stroke, that's just an incidental thing. It's not the intention of the player. But this is like right on the blurry, blurry, grey, dodgy line of where the rule it, you know is active and not active you know and wh- when he can be actually pinned on it or th- not. this is something he brought into the game this week for this uh, for the Chubb Classic he's clearly went and he talked to the guys he made sure that it was legal they're happy it is legal so we're not questioning that mm-hmm. um, it's just something very interesting for amateurs to look at for probably Adam Scott who I know listens at Podcast GTS um, <laughs> alright Scott you know, uh, Adam Scott again he may look at it Carl Carl Peterson Ernie Els who has struggled a bit come through a little bit better over the last few weeks but he is struggling a bit they're going to look at this Mm. and and, you know the intention of the rule was to get away from the hankering and the long butters whether this is you know tiptoeing up to the intended line whether it's against the spirit of what the rule was I'm not sure it's not going to be too long before the, the PGA and the RNA start looking at tweaking this and either saying that they can't have a putter longer than X or Y in length. And I'm not sure whether or not they are using the rules as they were intended. They're perfectly legal to do what they've done. I wonder if Adam Scott, if he has a couple of bad weeks in the lead-up to the Masters, yeah. decides, <laughs> do you know what, I've looked at Bernard Langer, he's got away with it, I'm going to give it a go. Like if you make rules, people will always find a way to get really close to them. Some will nudge just past them. We're not saying that Bernard is at all. He like to us. I mean, to most people, I'd say they'd all say Bernard is a pretty you know stand up guy. From, oh, I don't from think there's any question, there's question about over this. It. His him trying to cheat at all. It actually, if he's gone to them before the event and asked them about this, 
then that shows his intentions are good and he's not intending to, to gain an advantage in anything he's doing. He's trying to do it the right way. So, um, to me, just as the as my completely untrained eye, but just looking at looking at the putts putts he's taking, everything looks. Uh, I mean, for want of a better word, a little movie. You know, the the whole the whole action he's using. There looks like to be too many moving parts in it for it to be a consistently performing setup. Just the fact that his hands and his arm is away from his body. He's got so many fulcrum points going on. The the shoulder kind of rolls down in and under. The head moves. The, you know, it it just looks like there's too many things moving parts there for that to be a consistently performing stroke week in week out. Now that's you know that's not to say the weeks it works like it did this week. He goes and wins. So that's not to say it's the wrong thing to do. Well, it'll be interesting to see when it gets to the matter, Masters if other players you know, take an arm and successful, yeah, they'll be at it. And the reason we we didn't want to we're not having a go at uh, Bernard Langer. It's just it, it's something that we saw this week mm. that was a very interesting development in this rule in the interpretation of the rule that amateur golfers might end up having a look at. The interesting thing is in the pro game, they're going to have the referees walking around. They're going to see it if they think that it's starting to become intentional, if he's not doing the movement away or this only. There's, there's professional referees around mm-hmm. the, the course TV to be cameras. able to, to say it. If, on the other hand, you're in your local club, some guy is having the major yips, has had to move away from the anchoring, it is this very strange definition of intentional. How can I prove it's not intentional? How can I prove it is? Yeah. It's, I'm marking your card. Barry, you, you you tell me it's not intentional. It's not intentionally being anchored. How can I disprove that? Is it going to you know question the letter of the rules and the spirit of it? We'll wait and see. It is a very interesting thing to see whether it filters into the main tour of, of the PGA and especially your Adam Scotts, your Ernie Els, and a few of the other guys who have had to make a big change over the last month and a half. Wait for it to come in, you'll have your first car park bust-up over an accusation over it, you know, in a match. It's, it will happen on the amateur level because they don't, we don't have those cameras, the referees, and it's one person's word versus another. Uh, it will be interesting yeah. on your captain's prize day on the 18th hole to go, that's intentional! Oh, two-stroke penalty! I know, yeah. Well, so, glad, I'm glad for our own sakes we don't we don't have putters of that length. We yeah. Don't anchor, so uh, um, just looking just at the, the issue. looking at the last week, and I'll finish on this. And I've said it before, so I want to repeat it. Looking at this last week's tournament, you know Bernhard Langer, Freddie Couples, Jesper Parnovic, you know big names. I still would love for the seniors tour to do a Ryder Cup for the seniors. It would just be a classic. Brilliant. Like you, you did, some of those players are still playing at such a high level. Mm-hmm three or four days they'd sell it out there would be no doubt about mm-hmm. that they'd sell it out it would be a superb tournament so many sports do it they have their seniors in like snooker football play it soccer. on the alternative yeah. year from the Ryder Cup proper you know everybody would get behind if you agree let's all get behind this and let's all get onto mm. PGA or the RNA or the European Tour and let's bomb their uh, start a hashtag uh, seniors seniors rider cup hashtag seniors rider cup and so look we'll have a look let's go back to the main tour here because uh the uh chiswani open down in pretoria uh kicked off last thursday and i suppose it wasn't a big surprise that a south african won this it was just a case of which south african um and if i look here the top 10 only had three players out of the top ten that weren't from uh, South Africa. So we said it last week, if you're going to go bet, bet on a South African. It tends down in the South African swing that a lot of the South Africans come forward. Charles Schwartzel strolled to a sensational eight-shot victory to claim his second title of the season. He shot a seven under par 63 on Sunday to finish at 16 under and clinch his eighth European Tour win on the South African soil. Um, Denmark's uh, Jeff uh, Winter uh, finished second on 8 under some fairly sizable distance uh, distance behind again an interesting tournament um, you know he he certainly over the course was of the it week, really that interesting James was it really because it, neither of us watched a minute of it okay so I'm going to question how much interest we had in this tournament I, I, I think that it's always tough for the European tour because the problem here is that the big names aren't at this event. Yes, the big South African names mm. are, but the rest of the European tour big names 
weren't there. So of course it's 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 more difficult. It also is more difficult when we're looking at a tournament with guys we don't know, we don't regularly see. And um, was it interesting? It was interesting in so far as let's look at Charles Schwartzel for the second moving down to the Masters in fifty days time. He's a player that plays a lot of good golf around Augusta. This is a confidence booster for him. It's the second victory this year. He's got to go with, you know, his head held high to a place that he enjoys. T to green, he was very, very good uh, over the course of the week. The putter was particularly good. He, you know, in, in, in fairness, the, the highlights that we did watch over the course of the week, he held an awful lot of superb putts, very long raking putts. Easy to do so when, when the, the victory's in the bag, Barry, but, you know, he, he didn't do badly this week. He's a guy that you... Would you keep an eye on him now over the next few weeks and the lead-up to the Masters, or, you know, is this something that you can say, look, he, he really wasn't competing with guys at his own level. You'd be more worried if he wasn't winning this tournament. Yeah, he was, was a star attraction in a very, very poor European Tour-level field, like, in terms of quality, uh, compared to other events throughout the year it is it, it is like just a high level South African pro tour event with a, a few it's co, a, co-sponsored yeah. with the Sunshine Tour so, yeah, it's, so it, it's, it does lend itself more to the, oh yeah, to the no, second it's, year it's, it's an access route for these guys into the European Tour so like, so we, we can't just knock it up for that but in terms of it's overall my want to watch that tournament versus other t- European Tour events throughout the year it's nowhere it, it's, it's one of the bottom ones so um, I didn't watch it he won it. As far as Charles Schwartzel and Augusta goes, uh, he's not my favourite guy. Uh, the year he won and finished with those four birdies in a row, I had the other four golfers in the top five backed to win. Yeah. And he... That yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that what we're saying of somebody who's clearly on form, yeah, I'm not, I playing don't well, I don't care. going to... He's not going to... He's, he's a... War, I think... I'm going to say this. Charles Schwartzel is a one major winner only. He will not win another major. Wow. wow, that's 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 really top of the press. Whole whole back lads, you know. Do you think you win another major? Sure. Uh, Do you? I, I, I I I think that he's the kind of player that on a on a certain week on a certain course has has another one in him. Any um, of those any of the guys can. Of course they can. So I don't think he like, wins another major. Um, I I do think that. Um, what I would say is, if you're looking at an each way bet, he's certainly somebody who's fairly high up. I have, however, put my first bet on uh, the Masters about three weeks ago, which I forgot to tell people. I actually backed um, Ricky Fowler okay. um, about three weeks ago when he was still out at 28-1 to 1 and thought, hmm, he's going to come in over the next few weeks. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what he is at the moment. But anyway, it's uh, I'm starting to turn my attention a little bit to the Masters market in case... A lot of the the big names start coming in. Let's turn our attention to what is a wonderful story over in the U.S. So, the AT and T um, pro am at Pebble Beach, a fairly illustrious uh, past winners, and uh, Vaughn Taylor is now heading to the Masters with his first PGA Tour victory in more than a decade. It's eleven years ago that he won. He this story is just superb. He he's won that by just pipping um, Phil Nicholson with a superb 7-under, uh, I think, on the 65 on the last day. Mm-hmm. Phil obviously misses a 5-foot putt on the final hole, but let's let's put Phil to one side for the moment, Barry, because I think Vaughn Taylor needs a little bit of time. Oh, yeah. To, this is, oh, this everybody's is, this talking about Phil, but this, this is yeah, about him, the this, winner. This should be about Vaughn Taylor rather than what uh, Phil Nicholson did or didn't do. Uh, he was first reserve... For the week, he gets in because Carl Pe- Peterson had to withdraw. He was four hundred and forty seventh in the world, and he's now jumped three hundred and forty seven places. Bet you Tiger Woods would love to hear that being said about him. Uh, just on the cusp of the hundred, I think he's around a hundred now. First win in eleven years. He's going to the Masters. Came out of nowhere in this tournament to six, win it. Like six shots back in nowhere. Something. This happens in this event, though. It's like. Three or four times in the last number of years, like the winner has come from five, six shots back on Sunday to do it. Like it's a, it's an amazing event. Uh, Pebble Beach is just a, fun, a fantastic golf course, even when it's set up to enable the amateurs to to be able to deal with it or just survive it. 
the pros can still struggle on it or they can go out and shoot a great number and I guess that's why you get these high variance kind of Sunday results and um, wow like he like who saw it coming well I don't, I don't think yeah. you think Vaughn Taylor saw no. it coming he was playing the web.com a few weeks ago he hasn't had a full he was down in Colombia a couple of weeks before that where he got sick um, he hasn't had a PGA Tour card a full PGA Tour card for the last three years Yeah, and um, a run of four straight birdies on the back nine to close with the seven under. Um, I didn't know any of that, and I'm going to be very honest about that and say I didn't know any of that when Phil was teeing off on 18. I probably, along with everybody else in the country and probably everybody else in the world, was rooting for Phil to birdie or better the 18th. Knowing what I now know about Vaughn Taylor, I'm delighted he didn't Mm. because I think this is just a superb story we know Phil can do it. We know Phil is, is that good. But it's lovely to see. And the emotion that this guy showed afterwards, you know, with a young kid, his wife, he's going to the Masters, he's got his tour card now for, for the next couple of years, a big check in the back pocket. And fair play to him. He was being slightly ridiculed by some of the players. And, and let's talk about why, because he has been using this uh, Robo, Pro, uh, Robo Pro Golf machine Mm. which is it's just it's well worth having a look it's it's robo golf pro it basically is a machine that you, t- you it, it monitors you it looks at you and then it basically puts a club stuck in its hands mm. and it it moves it for you so you get the feeling of what you're meant yeah. to be doing it it forces the club into a perfect swing and as a result your hands and body get put into that you know get pulled along that swing plane and shown exactly where they have to go and as part of the swing so it manipulates your body into showing you know and your muscles into showing what what they have to do into a swing hey obviously it works this company robo golf pro had two of these machines this time last year over the course of the last 12 months they've now expanded to 12 one of them is at the pebble beach um uh, course they, he also, Vaughn Taylor, actually bought one of these machines some time ago and has been using it at home. It's an incredible piece of equipment. The idea behind it being, it will show you the perfect swing plane and your body will get used to the repetition of it. I think you're going to find an awful lot more people are going to start phoning to get onto this machine because it clearly worked and it got him shooting a winning score this week. Yeah. And uh you know, long may it continue because I, I have to say I, I was really impressed with Vaughn Taylor over the course of, of, of Sunday. Did you know he was on the US Ryder Cup team? No. In 2006 in the K Club when we absolutely hammered them 18 and a half, 9 and a half. And it's funny because I was actually at that. But I, I, I followed Phil and Tiger and uh, the Irish lads and Darren Clark and all of those guys. Yeah, yeah. And no is the answer. Isn't that gas, you know? Well, look, it's it's great for him. He's Masters bound. Let's talk about Phil for a moment. We spoke about him last week as a guy who has been doing a lot of work with the new pro. And one to watch um, for last week as well. Yeah. Just, just a lip out. Yeah, but you know what? I, I go back one shot from there. Um, I've never seen Phil hit a poor chip shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... They were talking about it beforehand, the, the commentators, and they said, you know, he he left himself. He couldn't he couldn't really get there with with the, the club he had for for the for the uh, for an eagle chance. But he left himself in the best Phil Mickelson location oh, yeah. to possibly hold it. And they were talking about oh, you know, seven out of ten, eight out of ten times he gets up and down from here, mm. no difficulty. Three out of maybe ten, four out of ten, he holds this. You know, that's how good Phil is from this distance. He practices this. Man, I bet you he wishes that it wasn't the the, the, the two out of ten because it was a poor chip shot. He left himself, what, six, eight, eight it was, foot? It was five foot one, five four foot, inch shot foot tracker. Foot I mean, the, the, thing, the thing that I really stuck out in my mind uh, was it was like he almost was settling for... A playoff. He goes. I can get this up and down without too much trouble. If I can just get it into a four foot range, five foot range, I'll get that birdie. If I get a little bit closer, great. You know, to make it an easier birdie, I'll get into the playoff. Whereas, you know, Phil won maybe last year or a few weeks back. I think he would have gone for that 
full-blooded, tried to make it, and accepted the fact that if he'd gone past the hole by like eight foot, he goes, okay, at least I had a ch- gave it a shot at winning. But you, look, he might have got just a tiny bit scoopy on it, or for whatever reason, it just didn't come out like the chip shot should have, or you know, it just didn't. It wasn't wasn't it, right for Phil. What we'd expect from him, I, I, I expected him. I didn't think he was going to spin, you know, play it up to the hole and spin it. Uh, I thought that was too risky. I thought he was going to play a, a more of a chip and run shot. I wonder whether or not his playing partner, whose name I now can't remember, uh, the Japanese golfer, he had kind of chunked one. Mm. And the ball had landed right in the eye line of Phil. I don't know if that affected him, um, but like for a player, Phil Standard, I uh, kind of, I even at five foot from where he was, that's not a good shot for Phil. Like I was expecting, not necessarily for him to put it six foot past the other side because mm-hmm. it's a downhill putt mm-hmm. from there. I kind of thought that this was going to be a tap in birdie for a guy of that 18, 24 yeah. inches. Uh, yeah, maybe it was a case that he just, uh, you know, he didn't. He, he took the eye off the ball, so to speak, in relation to it. Maybe if a bit more confidence. But, like, it's his strongest part of his game that had mm-hmm. let him down so much. It, it shows two things. One, Phil is very much back, you know. And I think that's one we've now seen consistently over the last number of weeks. He is constantly knocking on the door of tournament victories. And who knows... <laughs> Whether or not in fifty days' time, you know that's the week that he goes and and, and goes all the way through. He loves yeah, Augusta, yeah. so we know that if he's if he's driving the ball well, which he is at the moment, mm-hmm. you know he's, he's all of a sudden. And not just because he missed the putt on the seventy-second hole doesn't mean he's putting poorly. He was second in strokes gained putting for the week, so he's putting well as well. And and under pressure as well because yeah. the the previous hole he had to hold mm-hmm. a, a pretty difficult putt for birdie, you know, thirteen, even, fourteen foot or so. You know downhill. You know, and, and he needed to hold that to go, and we got the fill. You know, fist pump. Mm-hmm. It, he was riled up. So, like, I'm not sure he wasn't necessarily going for the win with the chip. I just, yeah. I, I think he got conservative. I think he got, you know, either he thought that he could hold anything, and just wasn't the case. But it shows that even at five foot and one inch for pros, you know, for guys like that, it's a knee knocker that distance. You know, mm-hmm. if it was a foot or foot and a half, well, no gimme. I don't think he's even looking at anything. He's just putting it straight in the middle of the hole, and you know he goes to a playoff. Yeah. But look, Vaughn Taylor, superb victory this week. I'm delighted for him, and and uh, I think that we just move on and to the next week and have a look at what what we do have to look forward to. And Barry, the LPGA is at the IS. P.S. Honda Women's Australian Open. Uh, yeah, this week it actually is taking place. So it's down at the Grange Golf Club West Course in Grange, South Australia. The girls are going to be playing on a 6,600-yard par 72 golf course. It will. It's Australia. It's going to play firm and fast. It's in the summer. The betting I have up here from the Green Bookies. Uh, Lydia Ko, surprise, surprise, coming off her win in the... New Zealand Women's Open last week is market leader at seven to four. Hannah Jang is thirteen to two. Brooke Henderson, the sensation from Canada, is fourteen to one. Charlie Hull, Minji Lee are twenty to one. Gi Shin is twenty eight to one. Carrie Webb is thirty three to one, and the rest of the field are forty to one and eight. Um, we're like this is the opposite end of the time for us. We might get a highlights show, bits and pieces here and there. And interestingly, we should say that. We are hopeful that now that Sky are going to show quite a bit more women's golf, we should be able to talk a little bit in better detail about what's going on because Sky is going to start showing it on the red button. And it's going to be um, so that people will watch a bit more as well and it becomes more part of the conversation for sure. Um, and obviously, down there, all the best to Derek King and the boys. Absolutely. Um, tomorrow. Do we know well, actually, how, they're going to be playing. Do we know what her, her odds are? KK Tamulis, give me a second, I'll get into uh, that. Um, the lads will be actually teeing off pretty cl- pretty soon. Chris Tamulis is 200 to 1. 200 to 1, okay. So, well. I mean, look, if she gets a few of those uh, little drinks in like with the guys, just relaxes, you know, oh, you never know what she can just do. Just enjoy the uh, experience and let us know how you get on. European Tour is uh, crisscrossing from continent to continent it's at the moment. Not it's in doing Europe. a co-sanctioned Asian Tour event with the European Tour. It's the Maybank Championship in Malaysia in KL. It's 7,079 yard par 71. Barry, you've had a bit of a look at the course here, so just tell the viewers what, or the listeners even, what we should be expecting to see this week. So this is what 
was at the same time of the year as like the Maybank Malaysian Open, but it's now called the Maybank Championship Malaysia. It's moved golf course. It's being it's taking place in Royal Selangor Golf Club, as you said. Um, this course previously hosted the Malaysia Open in 2002, which um, 14 years ago, so there's not a whole lot we can read into it, but it was won by Alistair Forsyth at, at a score of 17 under. Um, the course is going to be quite receptive. The guy, These guys are going to make birdies. When the greens are receptive, they're just going to be throwing darts, um, So and they will they will make their scores then. Well, well it's, it's, it's certainly a stronger, stronger-ish field than last week in South Africa, and Danny mm. Willett unsurprising I suppose is leading the betting at 10 to 1 Martin Keimer 16 to 1 Joss Luton is 16 to 1 Louis Oosthuizen is 16 to 1 uh, Cabrera Bailo is 20 to 1 Matthew Fitzpatrick 20 to 1 Jahidi 28 to 1 Olsen is 28 to 1 and Thomas Peters is 28 to 1 so you know um, it, it, it is it is a big field it's um got some good names there Darren Clark the Ryder Cup captain is, is is jetting in as well to play so it will be interesting to see it is this the week for Alvaro Quiros 66 to 1 James you know the way you get your little tingly feelings about him uh, well I got my tingly feeling with him a couple of weeks ago and he did alright for me so we'll we'll wait and see what happens um, I they're only play, paying five places in this tournament this week so it's not something I'm going to you know, go mad about if I put a few quid. Yeah, this this could be a week to find a little bit of value in the market or somebody a little bit outside of the favourites because effectively these guys, these guys guys are going to a new golf course for them. If anybody was there 14 years ago, it's probably not so relevant. So it's a real kind of level playing field for all of them. And it's also a problem because I don't get to watch it live, and I, I because the listeners know I tend to kind of do in game betting when the tournament has started, kind of yeah. Friday Saturdays. I'm not going to get to see a huge amount of this. It's going to be a lot of highlights, and that's going to be at the discretion of the editor as to what they show. So you're not going to necessarily find somebody who's maybe 7th, 8th, ninth mm-hmm. who's actually playing well. Let's look at the Northern Trust Open. Um, again, this is a 7, seven place um, betting at the moment. Let's go through the current... Favorites and unsurprising Rory and Jordan Speed are joint favorite at six to one. Then we have Dustin Johnson fourteen to one, Matsuyama sixteen to one, Justin Rose sixteen to one, Bubba Watson twenty two to one, Sergio Garcia is uh, twenty five to one, Jimmy Walker twenty eight to one, Adam Scott twenty eight to one, and it kind of goes out from there. This is a good field. This is a. a a decent event. And is that? Are you on? You're on the green thing. Okay, listen to this, right? So you just got Adam Scott at twenty-eight to one. So you're, I've just refreshed my page there. You're on the green bookies yes. on your iPad on their mobile site. I'm on the green bookies on my laptop. I have Adam Scott showing a thirty to one here. He's gone out. He's gone he's out. Just gone out. Okay, so he, he while, was, to- while he was talking, he's gone out. out. Wow, okay, I um, thought I thought there might have been a discrepancy there, but we had G- arbitrage. Yeah, Jimmy Wall, uh, JB Holmes, thirty to one. Charles Schwartzel, thirty to one. Bill Haas, thirty-three to one. Paul Casey, thirty-five to one. And then we go to Matt Kuchar and uh, Kevin Na, fifty to ones, and out from there. Deep, deep field. Uh, this is a beautiful golf course. Riviera Country Club, tree lines, really fast, tough greens. Like the the winning score last year, James Hans' winning score was six under. So it's it's a good, really good test to golf. Like hundred to one this week. Par is a good score on a hole this week. So I I really like watching this event. So you're I, you're going to be looking, you know, for listeners, uh, guys who are good at scrambling a lot of you know good greens and regulation yeah. this week as well. And um, I was reading on Golf Betting System the the lads preview. They're saying that because the course is playing firm and fast be good to have the players who hit the ball high this week to help them land the ball and, and not be rolling so much when it so lands on the green. You're looking at the Rory's of the world for things like that. Well, but, yeah, but there's any yeah, value no. down in the field. Yeah, no, Rory. Because Rory seems to struggle when courses are firm and fast. You know, he seems to have a little bit of trouble with them. So while he has an advantage in the uh, in the high ball flight, um, he seems to struggle a little bit when they're firm and fast. But if he can get a handle on the tee shots and kind of get them in the right places, then... Yeah, he could be. Look, I think the way he's playing, even though he's not, he wasn't firing all cylinders so far. He, you have to see, think he'll be there or thereabouts come Sunday. Well, it's 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 a good field. It's where my attention's going to be this week because I I do like the uh, the, the look of the the field and I think it's kind of 
a stronger field than than mm. what we have across uh, in 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 Malaysia. But look, uh, Barry, is there anybody there that you're going to have a, a, a little punt on or are you going to give it a miss and put your money in your pocket for the uh, week? I think I might have a cheeky little punt on Patton Kazire, who's um, web.com tour graduate and uh, had some really good showing so far this year. So uh, he's 125 to 1. Why yeah, and, and seven places as well pre-tournament. Uh, each way odds are 1 to 5. So have a look out there and see what... Um, see what is worth people if you have any ideas or any uh, suggestions at podcast GTS uh, that just leaves me then Barry just to say thank you for, for your uh, usual invaluable input uh, thank you the listeners without you we're just two people sitting here talking to ourselves and if you do want to get in contact with us at podcast GTS, any suggestions or ideas of anything you'd like us to cover? I have a request, actually. We're coming up to our 100th episode, and we're kind of pulling together a couple of ideas at the moment to see what we can do. If anybody has any things they'd like us to discuss in particular, maybe less focus on the tournaments of that week and more about a certain topic, or you know, maybe hundreds of theme on something. Uh, I don't know. We, if anyone has any ideas, fire them out there. No idea is a bad idea, and um, it'll help us kind of develop a concept for the show. Um, we're you know be pretty cool right. to pull something nice together. Um, we're hoping to have maybe a couple of prizes to give away as well in the show. So uh, we'll we'll see what uh, see what happens. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Now, and if not, don't everybody scrap what we've just said. We'll, we'll, <laughs> no, we'll work something out. And at the very least, we'll buy like an orange uh, Dunlop golf ball and you know, well, we give might, away as a prize. You know what? We might try and get a couple of those uh, those golf balls by Callaway that. Uh, are meant to look bigger oh, than an actual golf football ball. Ones. Yeah, the football yeah. ones. And if we can't get them, James and myself will draw one football golf ball each. Uh, Barry will. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. Uh, right, on that note, at Podcast GTS, a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you're playing this week, have a great time. If you're playing in a pro-am down in uh, Australia, have an even better time. Let us know how you get on. We will talk to you all again next week with a review and preview of everything that's happened. Bye bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye bye.